Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Hebrews 11 and 6, y'all know what it says. What does it say? It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, who is him? God. So, let me stop right there just for a second. And what is faith? Y'all know what it is, right? It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, in, in, in the Greek, it's the word uh, pistos or pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. And it literally means um, it, it, it is the um, assurance or the title deed of the things that we're hoping for. It means we already have it by faith. Faith means it's already there. You see, Abraham believed God. When did he believe God concerning Isaac? Before or after Isaac was born? Before. Abraham believed God, and God accounted it unto him as righteousness. And even when God, in Genesis chapter 22, told Abraham to take Isaac and to offer him up, as a sacrifice on the altar. Now, now y'all know what's involved in sacrifice, don't you? It wasn't that he was just going to put him on the altar and beat him. He was going to put, an, put him on the altar, put him on wood, tie him down on the altar, drive a knife through his heart, and burn him up. That's what he was going to do. And he was going to offer him to the Lord. And God told Abraham to do that. And Abraham didn't question God. And the reason why Abraham didn't question God was because God had already given him a promise concerning Isaac. That through Isaac and his seed, we would be blessed. The earth would be blessed. Now think about that for a minute. God has already given you a promise. Now how many of you know that if you know God, you know that his promises are always true? 1 Corinthians says that in him, his promises are always yes and amen in him. I mean... When God makes a promise, it's, it's, it's sure. And so Abraham believed God. And so he didn't question God at all. He just said, Isaac, you and I need to go do sacrifice. And Isaac said, okay, because, you know, Isaac had been trained by Abraham. He was obedient. And so he, Abraham gets Isaac, and Isaac is no baby. Isaac is a young man, and he could overpower his dad because, remember, his dad was 100 years old when he was born. And so Isaac and Abraham set out, and he told them a specific place to go, to go to Mount Moriah, and there build an altar and offer Isaac up to the Lord. So, so Abraham takes his servant, and he takes Isaac and takes his donkey, and, and they go toward Mount Moriah. And when they get to the foot of Mount Moriah, Abraham says to the servant, wait here while we go and sacrifice, but we will return. He didn't say, I'll be back. He didn't give the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, I'll be back. He says, we will return. And so they get the wood. He puts it on the shoulders of Isaac. And they start going up the Mount Moriah. And Isaac's looking around. He's like, I don't hear no sheep, no goats, no bulls. Something fishy about this. And he says to his father, he says, where is the sacrifice? You know what Abraham said? Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. God will provide. He will provide. 
And so when they get up on Mount Moriah and they get ready for the sacrifice, you know, they take the wood, they lay it up on the altar, get the fire going with their flint, whatever. And Abraham starts dressing Isaac down. And Isaac's like, and, and, and you know, the Bible doesn't say he struggled against what his father was doing or anything. And he went all the way to laying him on the altar. All the way. The Bible says that he bound his and, and laid him on the altar. And then Abraham was rearing back, ready to drive the knife into Isaac. And the Lord stops him. You know, in the Cecil B. DeMille kind of fashion. Abraham. Abraham. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Stop. Don't do it, for I know now. I know now where your heart is. I know now that you would obey me unconditionally. I know now that you understand who I am. And about that time, Abraham hears a rustling in the bush and a bah! And he goes and looks and there's a, a ram caught in the bush. And Abraham brings the ram up, unties Isaac, says, help me get this thing up on the altar. <laughs> and they offered the ram before the Lord. God provides God always provides. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. Now, I looked up that word in the Hebrew, boy, and it means a whole lot more than just is. You know, we always say, it is what it is. Well, God's so much more than it just is what it is. When you say that God is, it means that God is everything. He is all sufficient. He just is. Before anything was, he is. And no matter what's going on around you today, he still is. And no matter what tomorrow holds, he still is. And when this world perishes and everything passes away, guess what? He still is. He still is. And I love that scripture in Psalm 91, verse 1, and it says this. It says that, that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I was, I was speaking to someone about this the other day, and we were talking about how great God is. And, and that verse in Psalm 8 just came to my mind. Psalm 8, verse, verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. Who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens. And in verse 3 it says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him? And the son of man that thou dost care for him? What is man that God would care about us? When we think about the almighty, the almighty. Now think about that. It means, the word all means... All, everything. And mighty means powerful. Mighty mouse, here to save the day. Some of y'all too young to remember that. Mighty mouse was a powerful mouse. 
I mean, he was here before Superman, you know. Awesome mouse. But he was here to save the day. And he had the power to do it because he was mighty mouse. But this is mighty God. Almighty means that he has all the power. When we pray, Jesus said to pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses and we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation for Thine is the power and the honor and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thine is the power. And think about the power of God. And think that he holds the world in his hand. My father used to sing a song, and, and people, would, I mean, people would just get shouting happy listening to that song. And just the way my dad did it too. But it, it, it says, God can hold all the water in the palm of his hand. Wow. Has anybody ever gone deep sea fishing? Or ever spent any time on the ocean? To think about that, that is awesome. That God, the God of all gods, almighty God, holds the oceans in the palm of his hand. That's how powerful and awesome God is. You know, when Elijah went up on the mountain to hear from the Lord and God wanted to speak to Elijah and, and, and he called Elijah out to hear from God and, and, and then there was a great earthquake and, and, and the mountains roared and everything else and there was a volcano and there was fire and brimstone and all these things, God wasn't even in that. But this great God of power and awe still could speak to us in a still small voice. He's almighty. Now listen to this. The word almighty in the Hebrew or the, is, is the word most high is Elyon. It means the supreme, lofty one. Not good English, but this is literally what it means, the most highest. The most highest. I mean, he's, he's beyond any other heights. He's beyond anything else. He sits above the circle of the earth, and the earth is his footstool. That's our God. He created all that there is, all that you and I can see with our eye, and beyond all of that, even though the most powerful telescope cannot see all that our God has created. That's how awesome he is. That's almighty. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. If he's going to do some of the things that we've asked of him, and he is, he is almighty. In, in saying he is almighty, then we're saying that there's no one greater than he, and that he has the ability to meet our needs. Listen, don't limit God. No matter what you ask of him, don't limit, don't place any limits on God. Sometimes we act like, you know, God, I just don't have enough credit to get what I need. And, and we base it on our works and the things that we have done as though we bargain with God and we don't deserve God's goodness and God's grace. Listen, we can't do enough to deserve it. Faith is about believing God. It's not about what we've done. It's what he has done and what he wants to do for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. That's what he wants to do. And he has the ability to do it. Wow. 
He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He is the almighty one. He's made all that there is and all that there ever will be. He's omniscient. In other words, he knows everything. He knows everything. There's nothing that God does not know. Isn't that good to know? He knows what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going through when you're going through it. You know, sometimes we feel like we've got to get down on our knees and tell God everything. You know, God, I don't have everything like everybody else does. And Lord, I just, I'm just asking you for a blessing today. And God's waiting. He's like, okay. Lord, I just want you to bless me. Haven't I? Haven't I already? Well, I want you to bless me, Lord. Well, what do you want? God is waiting. And sometimes we pray like that with these prayers of generality as though we think that God can, and he does know our needs. He knows our, our, our wants. He knows, but he wants us by faith to exercise our faith in asking in order to receive what he has for us. You have not because ye ask not. And when you do ask, you ask so that you heap it on your flesh. There's some things that God won't give us because he knows it'll hurt us. You know? God, I want a bungee cord. Why? So I can go jump off of a bridge over a raging gorge. No. You want that, you'll have to get it yourself. <laughs> he's also <laughs> he's omniscient all knowing he's omnipresent he's present everywhere at once Isaiah said this in Isaiah forty six ten. he says only I can tell you the future before it even happens everything I plan will come to, pra- to, to pass for I do whatever I wish my wife and I and Jeremy and Jess know this guy, and some of you may know him because he, he's been in Salisbury before, but his name is Grover, Grover Hope. I love him, and he's just as country as country could be. When you look in the dictionary and you look and you see the words country, there are several definitions. Now, when it gets to being like corn pone country, there's a picture of Grover. He's from the backwoods of Tennessee. And he speaks Tennessean. And so we had gone to Mexico, and we, we went to Zihuatanejo. And uh, when we went there, Elaine was, she blessed us because she put us up in a really nice hotel there, the uh, Metacana de Hotel, whatever there, in, on, right on the beach on Zihuatanejo. And um, so they had this really beautiful pool out there. It's one of those kinds that's kind of circular, and, and it kind of drips over the edge. So you can lay right on your back, and it goes right up to the top of the, the edges of the pool. And you can look out across the ocean while you're floating on your back or whatever, you know. It's kind of cool. And, and so we were in this pool after we had just gotten in from flying all the way from North Carolina to Zihuataneo, getting ready for the, for the next day. And I had met him in the airport. He told me he was going to Zihuataneo. I had no idea that he's going to be with us. So when we get there, there's Grover, you know. 
So we spent a little time in the pool, and he tells me, he said, I'm a prophet. Because I asked him what he did. I said, I have a, he said, I have a prophetic anointing in this. And uh, I said, okay. <laughs> so after a while, you know, he just kind of goes over to the edge of the pool. And, and he's, he's, he's continually fasting. Guy looks like a bean pole. He's about six foot three or four. Probably weighs 140 pounds. I don't know. Because he's always, he's always fasting and seeking the Lord. And God speaks to him. And we're in the pool, and, and, and he comes over to me, and he says, he says, I got a word for youngs, for you and your wife. I can't give it to you now. I got to pray about it some more. I said, okay. I'm thinking, Because I don't know this guy from Adam, you know. And I've had people want to give me words before and all. So the next day, we go out and minister. We had a wonderful time of ministry and stuff. And so later that evening, we're all tired and hot, you know, because it's, it's like 90-some degrees down there now. And it was so hot. We come back to the hotel. The first thing we wanted to do was get in the pool. So we go back to the pool. We're in the pool. And we're in there about 15 minutes, and Grover Grover comes over to me. He says, I got a word for you and your wife, but I can't give it to you now. I got to pray about it some more. I said, Okay. And so this went on all week until the last day. And then he says, I want you to get your wife so I can give you that word now. I prayed it through. I said, okay. So I got my wife and we sat down. And he says, now, the reason I had to pray this through is because there's some hard stuff in it. He says, now, this is concerning things to come. This isn't things going to, this ain't things that just happen. This isn't like, you know, uh, you're a good man, you're blessed to the Lord, and God's going to use you. He said, that's evident. He said, but these are things that God has specifically shown me. And he began to tell me some things. And, man, he read my mail. It's like, it's like God knows. And God has spoken to him. And he knew and God showed him things to come concerning our ministry. Had no idea that these things were going to happen like they did. I could not have even imagined it would happen like it did. But thank God that God knows the end from the beginning. God knew well in advance what was going to happen. And he prepared us for that moment because my wife and I said to pray it. And when things began to happen, it's like, you know, it's like we were, we were surprised but not shocked. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's, it's just, if we had not had that word from the Lord, I don't know where we would be right now. I might have gotten out of the ministry and gone to selling cars or something. I don't know. But because God had spoken and prepared our hearts, and he knows the end from the beginning, he knows what already is before it happens. And I can, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. So listen, folks, we don't need to rehash our past to God. Why? He already knows. We don't have to worry about today and what's going to happen today because he already knows. 
And we don't have to worry about tomorrow because he already knows. He already knows. We can't wrap our mind around it because we don't. But he does. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. But what I love most is that he's ever-present. He's omnipresent. He's always with us. He knows exactly what we're going through. And and, in Psalm 91, getting back to there for just a minute, if you want to go back over there for a second, Psalm 91 verse 2 says that he that dwells in the secret place of the uh, dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my rock and my shelter and my strength. Because we know who He is and we know that He's always with us, then we know that we have our rock and our shelter and our strength, our fortress, everything that we need in our God in whom I trust. Do you trust Him? Do you trust that He's going to be there tomorrow? Do you trust that He's with you right now? Do you trust Him? You see, knowing that I can trust God allows me to go into a place where there wasn't even a church eight years ago where people were being beheaded because they were Christians. The houses were being burned out. And just a couple of months ago, there were a couple of houses burned in the city where we are going. Does that frighten me? No. Why? Because he's my refuge and my fortress, my strength, my God in whom I trust. I trust him explicitly. If God tells me to do it, I will do it. We have some wonderful friends, and I can't even tell you their names because you wouldn't know anyway. (laughs) But they minister in the Middle East. They go incognito as professionals. He's a very brilliant man, very powerful man of God, but he has a trade. And they go into the Middle Eastern countries, and we don't even know where they are. They can't tell anybody where they are because if they did, it could put their lives in jeopardy. And what they used to do, they used to train Mexican nationals and send them over to these countries. Well, they trained so many of the Mexican nationals who went with a one-way ticket because they knew they were not probably not coming back. But the thing about the Mexican nationals going into those countries is they're dark-skinned like they are, and they learn the language. They can just kind of mix in with with the ebb and flow of daily life. And they trained all these these young people who, who willingly wanted to go to these Middle Eastern countries and to Muslim countries and to preach the gospel and to plant churches. And they trained so many of them that they needed leadership. They needed someone there. So both of them have moved to that country. And the reason they do it is because God has called them to and because they trust him. You see, when we, when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, when we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, we're living in his presence. Well, listen, it's awesome to think that we live in the shadow of the Almighty, It's more awesome to think that he constantly shadows us because he lives inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is with us. You see, the psalmist wrote this song from his perspective. See? I'll dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. 
But Jesus gave us much greater hope, and he gave us something so much more powerful is that he lives within us. And through Christ, we can do all things. Through Christ, we can bring glory to God. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Through him, we can do everything. And he has given us authority, and he's given us power to do whatever he has called us to do. He's given us what? Because he lives in us, we have, come on now, help me out. We have mighty mouths. We have power. We have might inside of us. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We get a hold of that. It changes our life. It changes our perspective. It changes everything because we realize that God has not only called us, but he has anointed us. He has given us an unction of the Spirit. He has put himself inside of us, and he has not only filled us with his power, he has given us his presence, but he also gives us his purposes. We do the purposes of God. Listen, Romans 8.28 was written with this perspective in mind. You know, I've heard people say, you know, somebody has something horrible to happen and, and we just write it off as, well, all things work together for good. No, they don't. Thank you. That's God's amen. <laughs> all things don't work together for good. Except for those who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purposes. When we are in the ebb and flow of God's purpose for our lives, everything works out for us. I don't care what it is. You know, it's like my good friend Johnny Jernigan said one time, if we are out witnessing and somebody don't like what we're saying and they beat us up, God will heal us. If they kill us, we go to heaven. Either way, we win and we bring glory to God. What's wrong with that? Why are we so afraid to work in the purposes of God? Listen to this, though. Romans 8.26 says that when we, you know, sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know how to pray. How? With groanings and utterings that we don't understand. We don't understand what we're praying sometimes. And we pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray in the Holy Ghost. God begins to do something. And says that, that he helps us in our weaknesses. And then in Romans 8, 28, it says, For all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are, who are the called according to his purpose. So we see how in, in the ebb and flow of God and the things he's doing in his spirit, he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. Yes, indeed. Hallelujah. <laughs> she got a new phone. <laughs> Listen. God is all powerful. His presence is always with us, and he has purpose in it, and he has given us all power over the devil. And there are two words in the New Testament for power. I want to give them to you. One of them is exosia. It's authority. It's power to exercise control over. We have control over certain things. We have authority. You know? When my, when my boys were little, I had control over them. Not so much now. But I had a right to because, you know, there was a place in their life where I needed that authority over them. 
I'm no longer the, their authority over them. To some extent, I am because they respect me and they love me. But I, they have their own authority. God has established them and given them authority over their homes. But we have all authority over us. And the authority, the divine authority is God himself. But Jesus said, God has given me all authority. Now, in the fact that God has given him all authority, and the fact that Christ lives within us, also gives us all authority. Over what? Over the devil. Over the powers of the enemy. We have authority. We don't have to be scared of no ghosts. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We have authority over the devil. I love the story about Martin Luther being awakened in the middle of the night one time. He heard a rattle, a, a ruckus downstairs, and he says that he gets up and he lights his candle because they didn't have electric lights in those days. And he starts down the hallway of his house, and he starts down the steps, and halfway down the steps, he meets the devil face to face. He looks down and sees the devil. says, oh, Mr. Devil, it's just you. Turns around and goes back up, goes back to his room, blows out the candle, goes back to sleep. See, we don't have to be concerned so much about the power of the devil because we have power over him. The concern is when we yield the power that we have and give it to the devil. You see, the enemy operates in the realm of the spirit. The same that God operates in the spirit. The Bible says that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, what is a spirit? Come on, y'all. I ain't afraid of no ghost. A spirit is a being without a body. It's in another realm that we can't see. And that's how the enemy operates is in the realm of the spirit, the same as God, but evil spirits. Evil spirits are very real and they're very much at work if we allow them to be. But the only way that evil spirits have to express themselves is through those that would yield themselves to them. They need a body in order to exercise their authority. And when they get control of a person, they make a person do things they normally would not do. Just like the demoniac that was at the, the tombs, you know, when Jesus was, was ministering, he came to a certain place and there were demoniacs in the tombs that came out and they were, he was cutting himself and they couldn't chain him down. And, and you know, he was, you know, he was so full of demons that, that when Jesus saw him, you know, Jesus uh, was, was getting ready to cast the demons out of the man. He says, you know, how about casting us into the pigs? And there were about 2,000 pigs there that uh, this herder had there. And, and so Jesus commanded them to come out. And they jumped into the pigs. And the pigs run down. And, and they couldn't stand the presence of the evil spirits. And they ran into the water and committed suicide. Now, obviously, that's what was going on with the man when he was cutting himself. You see how those spirits operate and they work. When kids go to cutting themselves, we need to... We need, to do some, we need to do some casting out of devils is what we need to do. We need to take authority over that because you and I have authority over it. When people begin to act out, we need to take authority over those things. You and I have authority in our homes. We need to take authority over things. We don't allow things to happen. We don't allow things to go on. We don't run from the ghost. We cast them out. 
Take authority over them. You have that authority because all power, Jesus said, is given unto me. If I give it unto and I give it to you, go ye therefore to all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, he said. Jesus also said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, his, his power, behold, I have given you power, exosia, to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And over all the power, there's another word, same word, power, in the English, but in the Greek, it's dunamis. You see, we have authority. We also have power. When I think about these two words together, I think about a police officer. Got his three fifty seven mag on one side, his nightstick on the other, and his mace in his back pocket. And the thing that most of us fear the most is that, that, that shock thing, taser gun. I think I'd rather be shot. Well, that's his power. He has authority. That badge gives him authority. He's been duly authorized to arrest you if you get out of line. He has authority. Now, if he comes to arrest you and you start to resist arrest and it gets to the point that you become volatile and violent to him, if you don't have a gun or a weapon, chances are that he will... He can probably wrestle you to the ground. And if he don't, what's he going to go for? (laughs) The taser. (laughs) And you're going down. And then if you do pull a weapon, he's going to come out with the other power that he has. That Glock or that 357 or whatever he's carrying. And I hope he's not like Clint Eastwood. 44 mag. Power. But he's given us power, dynamic power. This is from the same word that in the Latin we get the word dynamite, explosive, dynamic power. This is what God has given us. Remember what Jesus said, you know, as he was was leaving to the, ascending into heaven in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, he says, and you shall receive power. Dunamis, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Judea and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He, he, he's given us power and he's given us authority. We have both, exosia and dunamis. Luke 24, 49, Jesus told his disciples, he says, right, this is right after the resurrection. He says, I am sending you, sending for the, I am sending for the promise of my, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, which is the Holy Spirit, but you are to stay into the city until you're clothed with dunamis, power from on high. So he's come to live inside of us and to fulfill his purposes with us. Us working in harmony with his will. So the purpose of God is this. Now, when God sent Jesus to die on a cross, what was his purpose? To save us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. What is our purpose? It's the same as his. To seek And to bring the gospel of salvation 
to that which is lost. Now, Paul said in Romans 16 and 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. And that word is dunamis. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He came to give us power, and he has given us the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have the authority of God's word. This is our badge, and it's also our sword. This is our badge, and this is our sword against the enemy, because within this thing here is all the power that you need. You got the power of the word, the word of God. When Jesus was tempted of the devil, what did he use to overcome the enemy? It is written. It is written. He's given us the same authority and the same power through his word. We can speak the word of God over our lives for our healing, for our finances, for our families, for our daily lives. I love to load myself up with scripture every day and just go out shooting it. Just knocking devils everywhere. I love it. Because that's what God has given me the authority to do. He has given me the power of his Holy Spirit. He's given me the power of his word. The word of God says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is quick. It means it's alive and it is powerful. How powerful is it? Well, man, it cuts right to the very, cuts right through the flesh right to the depths of our spirit. It's even the discerner of the thoughts and intent of our heart. When we get into the word of God, he begins to reveal things to us. He comes in the power of his presence and his anointing, and he brings change. He gives us the power to change. He doesn't leave us where we are. The thing that God came to do was to save us Not in our sins, but to save us from our sins. He didn't come to leave us in bondage. He came to bring us out. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath done what? Called you out of the kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. And that's a great place to be. That's a great place to be in the light of God. And, and flowing in within his purposes. And another thing that Jesus came to do, he came to, to undo all the damage that Satan and his minions had done. He came to undo it. I remember when I came to the Lord, I was such a mess. I was such a mess that God's still doing it. He still got work to do in me. But I was such a mess when Jesus Touched my life. But immediately, you know what he did? He washed me. My sins are gone. He broke the chains of Satan off my life. He couldn't control me anymore. And he gave me purpose. He gave me purpose. The purpose of God is to redeem mankind to himself. To fill him with his spirit. To restore him, equip him. And to apostle them to go into all the world with his power. He wants to send us out, man. He don't want us to sit on the pew and get blessed every week. He wants us to do something. 
This morning I was listening to a song by Matthew West. You know, said he was, in the song, he says, you know, he was questioning God. He was kind of getting angry at God. He says, you know, all the stuff that's going on, all the mess we're in. And he said, why don't you do something? And then the song stops and says, and he said, I did. I created you. I created you. Go do something. Don't just gripe about the way things are. Make a difference. Go do something. The God of all authority, the God of all power has anointed you. And he has placed his spirit inside of you so that his presence is going with you at all times. He's given you the power of his word, which is a sword that cuts right to the depths of our soul and our spirit as is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. And he's given us a purpose to make change, to allow him to change our life That's not just the purpose of God. That happens the moment you are born again of the Spirit. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. Your purposes become different. And you align your thoughts and purposes with God. You get in line with his purpose for your life. You begin to find out, hey, I know why God put me on this thing. I know why I'm on this spinning top. And it's not just to look pretty. It's to do something to make a difference. The reason why there's so much suffering in the world isn't God's fault. We can shake our fist at him and blame him if we want to. But the problem is not God, it's us that we don't flow with his purposes, with his power, with his anointing, and fulfill what he's called us to do. So the question is today, Are we going to sit back and say, Lord, why don't you do something? Are we going to realize that God has called us to flow within his purposes and do something? I'm committed. I've told you before, I'm all in. There's no going back. I got nothing to go back to. I've killed the oxen and I burned the plow like Elijah, Elisha. I got nothing to go back to. So it's full steam ahead. And what God has for us. I'm going to tell you something else. Jesus is coming soon. We don't have a lot of time to work. But Jesus said, now is the time to work. For night cometh when no man can work. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his field. And you know what happens when we begin to pray that prayer? God says, okay. Let's see now. Who will go? Just like like, uh, Isaiah. Who will go? And Isaiah said, I'll go, send me. Because he wanted to fulfill God's purpose. One last verse and I'm done. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, in verse 32 or 33, I think, it says this. And David fulfilled the purposes of God for his generation, and he died. That don't say much there. But it says a lot here when you think about it. That David fulfilled the purposes of God for his generation, for his time, and then he died. I like the same thing said about me. I can't do anything about tomorrow, and there's nothing I can do about yesterday. But while I'm alive, while I'm living today, there's a lot of things I can do 
And I want to be about my father's business. I want to do what God has called me to do. What about you? What about you? The Bible says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do that with all your might. It also says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that whatever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord, knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever you do for him is accounted for. As long as you do it with, with him, you'll accomplish more. If you try to do it with, within yourself, you're going to fall flat on your face. But if you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, just walking in complete confidence and trust in his almighty power, walking in his presence, knowing he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can do whatever he tells you to do. That's a big challenge, isn't it? And I hope that's a challenging word for you. I hope you got a hold of this today. I hope that it's touched your heart. I hope it's inspired you. I hope it's caused you to want to do some soul searching while we're on this fast, while your spirit is sensitive to the things of God, while he's, while he's talking, you're listening and getting a hold of what God has for you. We're getting ready to ratchet it up, go to another level in the things of God, in our personal lives, in our corporate lives as a church. You know, things are getting ready to happen. So we just got to be ready. Amen. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray for you right where you are. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ and your relationship with God. If you're here today that you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this will be a perfect time for you to get introduced to him. And it's simple. Just say to him, Lord, I'm a sinner. I realize that. Would you come into my life and save me? And you know what he does? He does exactly what you ask. And just say to him, Lord, I give myself to you completely because you gave yourself to me completely. Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner, that you died on a cross to save sinners. And I'm one. And I thank you for dying in my place. And I ask you to come into my heart today and to change me. I'm tired of living the way that I've been living. I'm tired of the same old, same old, and same old struggles. And I'm tired of being a servant of the devil. I'm tired of him running my life. I want to give my life to you because I know you love me. And the devil hates me. I want to serve along with you, Lord, and fulfill your purposes for my life. And for those of you who are strong in your faith this morning, or maybe you're struggling in your faith, and, and you want to go deeper in the things of God, but there have been some things holding you back. What's been holding you back is not God. It's your choices and your desires. And you want to go deeper in the things of God, there are going to be some things that you're going to have to give up. Because if you continue to control things in your life, you're not yielding full control to Him. But the moment you yield full control to him, things change. You begin to desire what God wants more than anything else. And you begin to flow within the flow of God's purposes, God's desire, God's design for your life that will bring you to your destiny in him. So let's pray to that end. Lord, and I call you Lord. 
You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.